everybody welcome in welcome in welcome in this is the total coverage podcast here on the sirius xm podcast network man i'm so excited to be with you kirk morrison your host the eight-year nfl veteran in the national football league five of my years with the raiders a year in jacksonville and my last two with the buffalo bill yeah so i got something to talk about when it comes to that bills patriots matchup we'll be talking about that one coming up in just a couple minutes look you can find this podcast on apple on stitcher wherever you find your podcast click on that search engine tab type in total coverage rate subscribe and also throw me a note on twitter at kirk morrison also on instagram at kirk morrison just wherever you got your social platforms type in kirk morrison make sure you give me a follow in a couple minutes we got brian mitchell the former running back return specialist and current Washington football team analyst. He'll be joining Total Coverage, giving us some insight on the Washington football team. I mentioned Patriots Bills from Monday night. I got some thoughts on that game. Steelers, Ravens, yeah, came down to two. That's right, two-point conversion. We'll let you know how that one ended. And finally, and finally, the Detroit Lions. We'll talk about what they accomplished as well coming up. And then my players of the week, can't wait to uh, let you know who I thought had some outstanding performances. But let's get to my guy, Brian Mitchell, Washington football team analyst. Oh, man, I am so excited to be joined by the 14-year NFL veteran, 10 years with the Washington football team. He also played with the Giants and the Eagles. Let's just rattle these off for you. Second all-time in all-purpose yardage. With 23,330 yards. You know who's first? Jerry Rice. My guy, <laughs> Brian Mitchell, is right behind him. Second all-time with 13 special team touchdowns. Third all-time with nine punt return touchdowns. He's a three-time All-Pro, Super Bowl 26 champion with the Washington football team and current analyst for NBC Sports Washington. You can follow him on B at B Mitchell Live, NBCS on Twitter. Also, B Mitch 30 dot com brian mitchell welcome to total coverage my man it's great to see living uh, legends such as yourself hear from you as well because when you think about the game today and where it's going it's such a passing league yeah. and yet in your era of football it was about running the football and playing great special teams how different is it to you watch the game now coming from the era that you played in uh, it's totally different. I think back then, you know, you knew that you had to be able to run the football. You know, teams were built that way. They had right. the huge, the big offensive lineman, a big dominant defensive lineman, huge linebacker, especially in the NFC East with the New York <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, looking at the game on uh, Monday night with the uh, Patriots playing, I felt good. A lot of people didn't like that football game. I loved it. You yeah. know, you do whatever it takes to win the game. And uh, back in the day, people knew you were going to run the ball. You had to be good right. at it. Today, if teams can still run the ball with the passing, I think they have a distinct advantage over most teams out there. Man, tell me about the offensive lines you used to run behind, man. Those hogs up front. People don't forget, man, if they forget about Washington, that it was like a fraternity for the offensive line. To be able to be an offensive lineman for the Washington football team back in the day, it's like you had to go through an initiation. But talk about some of those offensive lines you had to run behind. Well, you know, Jeff Bosick was the center who guy was leading the way. And then you had uh, Raleigh McKenzie and Russ Grimm and then Joe Jacoby <laughs> over there. Jim Lachey came in. Uh, you know, we, we had uh, Mark May was a guy who was there yeah. uh, before. And then you know, those guys came along. Then Ray Brown became a guy in that thing. Uh, uh, you know, so uh, the, everybody knew that you may have a chance to go in there. Ed Simmons, you know, yeah. Mark Slarrett. You know, you look at guys <laughs> Stink, 15, yeah. 16 years, 20 years, and 
when you start talking about sports today, especially in the NFL, they talk about the quarterback, the running right. back, the, the, the running, the receivers, the defensive backs, not a lot about the offensive line, but those guys were so good that their names were called. Everybody know who the hogs is. You talk yeah. to anybody <laughs> in any city, they knew about the hogs. Yeah. Those hogs, man. I, I trust me. I love watching them. And I was like, man, I, I couldn't imagine being a linebacker like myself going up against those dudes, have to go through them just to get to a guy like you. That's why you had so many yards. <laughs> but look, I, I want to uh, look look ahead right now at this current Washington football team. And look, they've improved to six and six, sort of a rough start. You lose your starting quarterback early on. And now you have Taylor Heineke. Yes. And what didn't come in as the starter this season. We all remember him from last year having started in the wild card game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he played well. Yeah. And now you're looking at him and what he's been able to do. And last week, this team beat the Raiders. They improved. I mentioned the six and six. They won four in a row. What have you seen from Taylor Heineke since he's been the start? Taylor Heineke, well, uh, he's been the starter this season. I saw a little bit of what we talked about just a while ago. You know, they have stopped letting him throw the ball over 35 times and letting him go out there to win the game. And mm-hmm. they started running the football effectively. You know, yeah. you look at them when he's winning, he's passing the ball for 220, 230 yards, 190 yards. They right. win the football game. But they are going out there playing bully ball, to be totally honest with you. This offensive line is not uh, well-known. Uh, mm-hmm. You got some guys, uh, Lucas, and also uh, from, from other teams that came in. You know, but I think ultimately what it is is a bunch of guys who believe in what their coach, Coach Masco, is teaching them. You know, I always say, yeah, people come in the NFL and the fans always hold the players to a certain level. But if you don't have a good coach who can get the best out of you, you're going to have some problems. So Coach Masco is getting everything out <laughs> of these guys. And you look at them right now, they're on their fourth center. Okay, they had their Pro Bowl, uh, Brandon Sheriff is ta- go- going out a lot. You know, right. they drafted a guy, uh, uh, Cosme, Cosme in the, in Sam Cosme in the in the second round. He hadn't been playing a lot. So you got guys that have been filling in in different spots. And those guys are playing like their first round draft picks because they believe they bought into what he's saying and they're out there handling business. So this team changed offensively to running the ball first and then they have their, you know, timely passing routes. Then on the defensive side, they lost two starters. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They Chase lost Young, yeah. Montez and Chase Young. Yeah. And then they are starting to play better because they've finally done what I've asked them to do all year. Blitz sometimes. You can't <laughs> just line up four people and win in this league, especially when guys are like Chase, the second-year guy, Montez, the third-year guy. These right. offensive linemen, they've been around a long time. They understand how to play your game against you. So they made a, like a major adjustment. They won't say that. But if you watch it the way they play, they were putting up 300 yards passing and losing. They were giving yeah. up for almost 500 yards a game. Now they're giving up less than 300 yards a game. They're only passing it maybe 190 to 200 yards a game, but they are winning because they're averaging over 130, 140 yards a game rushing. Yeah, I, I think you hit on it because you've seen Tyler Haneke in this Heineke in this four-game winning streak. He's got seven touchdowns versus two interceptions. But Antonio Gibson. Are you surprised at what they're getting out of him? This is a guy who played wide receiver in college at Memphis. You look at his last three games, he's got, what is it, uh, 95 yards, 111 yards, 88 yards. He's fifth in the NFL currently in rushing. But what makes this dude so special, man? I've been a big fan of his, but you mentioned the rushing attack. This dude's only been a running back in the NFL for two years. Dude's a special, man. You know what? I, 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 I look at him like I looked at myself coming out of college. 
Yeah. I was a quarterback for nine years. I got in the NFL. I didn't make a difference because you're a football player. I see Antonio Gibson as a football player. And I think that's the thing about it. When he re- when he played receiver at Memphis, he wasn't a guy lining out ra- wide, running all of the route tree. He was right. a guy that were running jet sweeps with. They were getting him quick passes when he could run screens with him. He is, he's almost 230 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's what people don't think. <laughs> and he runs, he runs a 438. So mm-hmm. the only thing he has to learn is how to hold on to the ball. You see, he had a problem yes. letting the ball go, going through traffic, putting two hands on the ball, or keeping it high and tight, or tucking it in. He has that tendency sometimes to go back to being a receiver, letting it flail out a little bit, and that works against him. But when he gets square and runs downhill, and they're opening up some gaping holes for him, mm-hmm. he can punish people. Like I told him uh, last year, I said, dude, if you start running behind your shoulder pads, there's not a safety or a cornerback in this league that are going to want to hit you. Sean Taylor is no longer with us. Sean Taylor would try to run through you. The right. rest of the guys, they don't want no part of that. Mm-mm. No, they don't want no problems. Uh, <laughs> hey, they're making business decisions right now. Hey, <laughs> Let me yo, see here. Uh, <laughs> you know, we mentioned a little bit about the defense, and you mentioned they're more of an attacking defense now, blitzing a little bit more without Sweat, without Chase Young. But during this win streak, right, I keep talking about the win streak because mm-hmm. something has changed. They're at, look, 21 points or less is what they've been giving up. Right in this winning streak i've also seen landon collins as well kind of have a different role not playing a deep safety but more of a in the box kind of guy blitzing him off the edge is there any other things that you see defensively or why this team is really starting to spark uh, at the right time well i think the blitzing has helped them tremendously because now they're getting home they're getting more pressure but bringing landon closer to the line of scrimmage has been a plus because he was a liability when he was back deep right closer to the line of scrimmage he's a sure tackler and he seems to be filling those holes. They talked about this in offseason, okay? Then they <laughs> talked about it in training camp. They didn't make the change until after the ninth week, the bye week. Right. So I'm wondering, why didn't they do this sooner? Because early in the season, he was getting he was getting beat. Uh, the, his backup was getting beat. They didn't have any kind of uh, uh, understanding and communication that was going good in the defensive secondary. Now he's uptight. He's making magnificent plays for him. You got Cameron Curl, a guy who I think was one of the top four safeties in the league last year as a rookie. Right. This kid right now is playing unbelievable no matter where they put him at. And now they've settled down some to where they can go out there and make these plays. Kendall Fuller came from came back and left here, went to Kansas City, right. came back after winning the Super Bowl. That's how you do it. You go somewhere and win a Super Bowl, come back, get your money. <laughs> and William Jackson the third, you know, they're letting him play some right. man-to-man. And then Kendall is a guy who can do different things for you. So I think now guys are more playing in their position. They're being more attacking because that's fun. You know, the guys don't want to just run up field. I watched Chase and I watched Montez early in the season. They were running outside and staying outside. So they were being taught that. Then after about four weeks, they started going up and under. And the quarterbacks kept stepping outside going against them. But they have people playing in the right positions now. And when you press a quarterback and make him have to throw the ball sooner or hold on to it longer, you're going to have success against him. You know, B. Mitch, I'm looking at this schedule down the stretch. I mean, you couldn't have dreamed of a better schedule. It's mm-hmm. all against division opponents. Cowboys yeah. twice, Philadelphia Eagles twice, and once against the New York Giants. I think the bigger question is that has Haneke take over that position? Is, is he the guy or is, he, or is he just a quarterback for this season? Or is he well, the guy that you think you could build an offense around for years to come? See, the thing about it is this. There's still some questions out there, and I'm not saying he can't grow into it, but – you see him every once in a while, even in the Raiders game. He right. threw an interception. They go down to get a field goal. Then on that drive, that was an interception that was dropped. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
he throws a lot of balls off his back foot. But the thing about the kid I love, he has a lot of moxie, okay? He believes in himself. And uh, he has that athletic arrogance, as Coach Gibbs called it. You know, <laughs> you have to believe you're good. If somebody, if you want other people to think it, you better damn sure believe it. And I think he does that. So he gives them a chance when they have a running game with him. And he's had a lot of great plays. Terry McLaurin has made some magnificent plays. Yes. All the bad passes, I would say. But I think Taylor is very – he's good enough in this league to go out there when you got everything around it. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to be the guy to go out there and just win a game for you with his arm. He did that in college. Because right. he can get away with those mistakes that he got away with in college. He can't get away with them here. But I think what he's done is gave them a little bit more time to be able to go find somebody. Because if he yeah. can continue how he's been playing and he can start that next year, you can probably dra- draft somebody if you can't go get a free agent. And then you have that little that gap. He's, he's the gap bridger. And I think he can play in this league for another eight, nine years as a backup, to be totally honest with you. But I don't think the arm strength and the decision-making consistently is that guy that's going to get you into a Super Bowl and get you to win it. Just a couple more questions for you. Uh, well, last two questions. Number one is, what has Ron Rivera done this season? For people who didn't know him, he yeah. comes in, has sort of gotten rid of some some guys and you know made some changes on the staff and in the organization. And then this year, to have the patience, even when things weren't going right in the beginning, mm-hmm. to now see this team right now currently, if the playoffs started today, they're in the playoffs. What have you just seen from Ron Rivera and his coaching style? Well, I think I think it started last year when he was battling cancer and going through chemotherapy and still fighting his way to get out there to be with the guys. They saw him fighting, so they couldn't make many excuses. Right. And then this year, while things was bad, I'll be honest with you. You know, I got upset with him sometimes because I, I, I grew up in a family where they told you the truth. Yes. And he basically, he took the bullets for his guys many times. And he constantly gave them praise, even when they were messing up. And I think the guys love that. You know, you you know you got this. You watch yeah. football. If your coach is gonna have your back, you you damn well will do anything. Play. To go out there and impress him. To go out there and keep doing the things he wants you to do. And I think that's happened. And now these guys have finally gotten a chance. And then they got guys that may not be the rah rah type leaders, but Jonathan Allen has had a monstrous year, and yeah. those guys are feeding off of him. You flip it over to the offense, Terry McLaurin, a guy who doesn't say much. All he does <laughs> is make plays. They feed off of that. So. These guys have a coach who's has shown them that you have to keep putting in the work. He believed in the, uh, what, what, the, uh, what he said, the inner ape, your um, preparation, your effort. Uh, what's the other one? The A, I forgot what it was. But if you do all three of those things, you know, your approach, your, your preparation, and your effort. If you are doing that every day on a consistent basis, you're going to have success. And they've been doing that over and over again. And I think that's the reason, because they have a leader and a coach who believes in them and, and defends them, but also he teaches them the right way to get it done. Last question for you. The Washington football team will make the playoffs because? Well, they make the playoffs because I think they made the, the, the uh, correct changes and they're buying into it and they believe in it now because this team was, <laughs> we thought they were down and out. Now they're sitting in the sixth spot. They right. have Dallas twice. They have the Eagles twice. And then the Giants won. So the, the thing about it is, is what you would ask for. But I played in the NFC East for all 14 of my years. <laughs> and you can throw the records out the book because the games yeah. are going to be a little different than what you think. So they need to make sure that they continue what they're doing and handle the business. If they continue the things they've been doing, not turning over the ball, taking the ball, and playing dominant run uh, uh, with the offensive line and a run defense with the defensive line, they'll go to the playoffs and probably will win a game. Man, make sure that you follow him on Twitter at B Mitch Live MBCS on Twitter. 
his website, bmitch30.com. You can see all of his work at NBC Sports Washington as a Washington football team analyst and also the host of the 106.7 The Fan, DC host B. Mitch and Finley. Man, Brian Mitchell, always been a fan, watched you. Wish I could have played against you a little bit more, see if I could knock you around a little bit, but I know you much faster than I was. <laughs> I got to catch you said, I don't know if I could have caught you, though. Man. But hey, I appreciate the time, and uh, we'll see what happens with this Washington football team down the stretch. All right, man. Take care. Anytime. Hey, everyone. Lindsey Rhodes here. And if you love football, you're going to love my podcast, The NFL Roadshow. With episodes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we cover every NFL angle and talk to guests from across the NFL world, Hall of Famers, analytics nerds, and I say that lovingly as someone who wants to be an analytics nerd very badly, fantasy football experts, all of it. They're discussions you're not going to find anywhere else. So please, subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app, included with most subscriptions. Now, look, let's get to Monday Night Football. Patriots, Bills, Monday Night Football. If you didn't see it, you probably missed a lot. I know, a 14-10 game that, trust me, had all the storylines, had everything that you wanted, and yet the Patriots found a way to win. The Patriots now 9-4 and four with their win over the Buffalo Bills on Monday night. They've won now seven in a row. It was a game that had wind gusts and low temperatures and a time in which Mac Jones attempted only three passes. That's right. Three passes for 19 yards in the game because of the windy conditions. Now, Josh Allen, he threw the ball 30 times um, in this windy game on Monday night. But man, it was so much to really get caught up in because everybody is going to say that you know, how could the Buffalo Bills you know, lose a game like this at home? But I always say this, as a guy who's played for the Buffalo Bills for the last two years of his career, it's always about this for the Buffalo Bills. I don't care what their record is. I don't care who they've beaten. It all matters about what you do against the Patriots. And they lost the game to the Patriots, who now the Patriots are in first place, nine and four, on top of the AFC East. And oh, by the way, the number one seed in the AFC. Now, you could probably thank Baltimore for that as well, for going forward and missing it against Pittsburgh, but that's another story. The story of this game was like I mentioned, Mac Jones threw the ball three times. So what did that mean? The Patriots ran the ball to a tune of 222 yards on 46 carries 46 that's a lot damian harris he had 10 carries 111 yards a big 64 yard touchdown run he ended up leaving the game with a hamstring injury but it was the patriots willingness to run the football they all they were two of 12 on third down it wasn't like they lit the you know offensive fireworks up they had a game plan they had a philosophy they had an identity that they were going to run the football on first down, on second down, on third down. They were forcing the Buffalo Bills to have to do what? To have to tackle, to have to execute, to have to stay in their gap, play in and play out. Now, Buffalo, for the most part, I thought did that. They did that for the most part. But it, all it takes is one play. And Micah Hyatt, the safety, you know, playing great all season long, just overruns a pitch to the outside. And when you overrun it, 
and Damian Harris cuts back and scoots 64 yards for a touchdown, that was the biggest play, I thought, of the game, and it happened early on. The Patriots end up going for two, and they really never looked back at that point. They felt that, look, we are going to win this game on field position, on the, the kicking game, uh, our defense. It all held up. The Patriots' defense held the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Devin Singletary. They held that offense to a season low, the lowest output in terms of yards for the Buffalo Bills, 230. Josh Allen, 15 of 30, 145 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. But I can say this, I was still upset. I was a disappointed with the Buffalo Bills offensively. Josh Allen only had six carries, 39 yards, six. That's not enough. Josh Allen came into this league being able to, you know, run the football, getting the tough yards, third and four. I'll go back to when Josh Allen was at the University of Wyoming when I called a couple of his games. He was an extension of the run game. He forces defenses to have to play and commit all 11 players right? Because now you have to guard the quarterback. You can't have a free hitter that if you go out and make a guy miss, something may happen. So for me, that was something that I looked at and I said, wow, the Buffalo Bills are not using Josh Allen as a runner. You can't do that. The Buffalo defense also, we mentioned they gave up the 222 yards on the ground. The Buffalo defense has now allowed 200 plus yards rushing in two of their last three games. Remember a couple weeks back, they gave up 264 to Jonathan Taylor in the Indianapolis Colts back in week 11. This has now become a trend. Yeah, Buffalo can stop the run. They can be great against teams with bad records, but now we get teams with good records or good rushing attacks like the Patriots. Yeah, like the Indianapolis Colts. They're having a tough time doing it. But then on the other side, can the Buffalo Bills actually run the football? The Bills carried it 19 times, 60 yards, only three yards to carry. Now, look, the Buffalo Bills were the team that people thought would repeat as AFC East champions. Could be a possibly a top seed in the AFC, but right now they're trailing New England by two and a half games out of first place because New England has already played what, 13 games now. And the Buffalo Bills are currently sitting as the seventh seed. That's right, the seventh seed in the AFC. So the Patriots, they'll have a bye coming up. The Bills, they'll take on, oh, Tampa Bay or Champa Bay, whatever you want to call it. They'll take on the Bucks coming up next. So when I look at, when people ask the question, how good is New England's just offensive execution, their game plan on Monday night? And I can tell you, their game plan worked. Their game plan of running the football, forcing the Buffalo Bills to have to make plays, to have to make tackles, to have to execute over and over again. They did that. They forced them. And to me, it wasn't even about the yards. It was about the carries. It wasn't a great, you know, yards per carry type of game for the running backs, but it was just the added attitude of we're going to run the ball and we don't care. I keep saying that it was like an Army-Navy game, right? Army-Navy just going out, running the football, no passes being thrown. That's what it felt like. And at the end of the day, it was that game plan that helped the Patriots win. That also made people look at Sean McDermott and say, well, you got out coached. And now the Patriots are the favorites right now. They're the favorites. 
they're the favorites, I think, in the AFC because when you look at them, they have an identity, but they have a young quarterback in Mac Jones. So look, he gets the win when we talk about, oh, he's now 5-0 and on the road as a rookie. But I'm like, did he really have anything to do with last night? I mean, he threw the ball three times. He handed the ball off over 40 times. Did he really have something to do with them winning? I believe not. But look, he will get that win attached to him. But also, he does give me the confidence that this team will be able to be one of the tops in the AFC. Now, on the other side, the Buffalo Bills, they go from being hunters now to being the hunted this season expectations of winning a division of playing in another conference championship again and yet right now they've got a leaky run defense that they got to stop they got to figure it out in a copycat league people are going to come after more and more how do they get it figured out how do they stop the run because teams are going to do that and i suspect the tampa bay buccaneers will probably have uh, that, that same mission in mind now what became just a game against Tampa is now becomes a huge matchup, huge matchup for the Buffalo Bills. If they lose this one, they can fall out of possibly being in the playoffs. Still think this is a playoff team. They are still a playoff team going through a rough patch of their season. But I think ultimately they're still will figure it out. But man, playing in cold weather, I expected them to run the ball a lot better. That could be what holds this team back. Yes, they can throw it and score points down the field. What happens when the inclement weather or the unideal situations like we saw Monday night occur? Can they have the game plan that works? We shall see right now. I don't think so, but I still believe that this is a playoff team. Now, look, I just mentioned a little bit earlier about what the Ravens did against the Steelers, right? Helping the Patriots become the number one seed right now, currently. Now, they could have been possibly tied up top had the Baltimore Ravens completed a two-point conversion at the end of the game, but they didn't. And the Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers held on and they snapped a three-game winless streak. They improved now, 6-5-1. and one with a 20 to 19 victory over those Ravens that failed two point attempt at the end by, you know, Lamar Jackson trying to hit, you know, Mark Andrews in that back of the, uh, or in that front pylon of the end zone. It was one of those things in which when you look at the play, you've seen it over and over again. And how many times has Lamar Jackson hit Mark Andrews on a similar type play? It seemed like you can almost blindfold Lamar Jackson and he makes that throw to Mark Andrews every single time, but they didn't get it done. And I don't go against the call by, you know, John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh made the decision that look, look the score is 2019. We just scored. I, we're going for two. We're going for the win. We don't want this thing to go into overtime. We got all the momentum. We got to go for it right now. I do not. I am not upset at the decision. I think more teams should have the guts to go for it on two and either in the game, because I think if you think about it, you have a time to call your best offensive play to get you two yards and you win the game. So I understand that, but you got to give a ton of credit for the totality of the game and the Pittsburgh defense that recorded seven sacks right now. This defense leads the NFL with 37 sacks on the season. 
a big reason why <laughs> yeah this guy was back in the lineup tj watt who was out recently for COVID, comes back had three and a half sacks of lamar jackson and also he was the reason why lamar jackson had to rush that throw to mark andrews on the two-point conversion how could the baltimore ravens leave tj watt unblocked it it baffles me if anything i'm making sure that guy's blocked every single play he was unblocked rushed the throw and you saw the errant pass or the pass that just was out of the reach of the outstretched arms of mark andrews that's what happened that's how the ravens lost the game but you got to give a ton of credit to ben roethlisberger probably one of his better games this season he was 21 of 31 236 yards two touchdowns but for ben no interceptions which is great and deontay johnson wow where did you find this guy no i had him uh saw him was a big play, uh fan of his way back when he was at the university of toledo right a young guy i said man this dude's an nfl player he's proven it now game in and game out they had the go-ahead touchdown uh, with about 148 left and you thought that the sealers had this one until lamar jackson had the ball right back in his hands and drove all the way down and they ended up winning the football game because of the missed two-point conversion, like I said. But this defense for the Steelers looks different when you have T.J. Watt back, who I mentioned with his three-and-a-half sacks back. But, man, Mika Fitzpatrick, nine tackles, one interception. Look, this is a this is a Steelers team that no matter what, when you try to count them out at 5-5-1, five, five and one, they're like, oh, they're done. They want to play music at practice with Chase Claypool saying that. But then all of a sudden, you think about it, Mike Tomlin, comes in this week and keeps the focus they go win a game and now they're above 500 again six five and one so you have to understand that this is always going to be a team that is a threat week in and week out i know it's sort of some jekyll and hyde situation when it comes to the pittsburgh steelers but i just feel like right now would you be surprised if they made the playoffs i wouldn't because they're currently in the eighth spot but I look at what's in front of them, and I think that they have the opportunity to start to get on a nice little roll and be that seventh seed or even the sixth seed in the AFC. Does that mean that three teams are going to come out of the AFC North, right? Is it going to be Cleveland? Is it going to be Cincinnati? Is it going to be Baltimore, Pittsburgh? Man, it's going to be all jumbled up. But I think more of a bigger concern is, as we're talking Steelers, but what the bigger concern has to be is when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens. What is going on with Lamar Jackson? 23 of 37, 253 yards, one touchdown, but again, another interception. And think about this. Lamar Jackson, his first three years in the NFL, 18 interceptions. Year four, Lamar Jackson, 13 interceptions so far, and he's still got more games left. He may eclipse the number of interceptions that he had his first three years combined. That to me seems more of a bigger concern on the Baltimore Ravens side. Look, they sit eight and four, and his offense has failed to score 20 points now in four straight games. They're two and two over that span. Is Lamar trying to do too much? Is he trying to, you know, play and make things happen that just aren't there? What's wrong with this Baltimore Ravens offense? Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, and Lamar, it seemed like they're on the same page, but it seems like the Baltimore Ravens, they win different, right? It's never something that is going to be, I think, something that, like you say, wow, like this is a team that is going to come in and just do this or do that. It's kind of, you don't know what Ravens team you're going to get week in and week out. Now, a huge blow for the Baltimore Ravens defense. 
they were already down Marcus Peters, corner, you know, cornerback Marcus Peters earlier in the year. Now they lose cornerback Marlon Humphrey for the season with a torn pectoral muscle. That's two Pro Bowl players at the cornerback position that'll be out for the Ravens. They're eight and four. They're still in first place in the AFC North. They're currently the number three seed in the AFC. I still have a ton of confidence that they'll make the playoffs. That's, But can they win this division? Can they stop this little slide that they've been in in terms of offensive production and also losing out on some of these defensive stalwarts? Now, look, the Steelers, they'll have to travel to Minnesota on Thursday night football. And Minnesota is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what to talk about when it comes to Minnesota, man. They are just uh, up and down. One week they beat the Packers, and the next week they're losing to the Detroit Lions. Man, that's that's the Vikings for you. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to them in just a second. But the Steelers have an opportunity to win that game in Minnesota. It'll be loud, but it could put a better spot for the Steelers to win. And if Minnesota loses, they're kind of out of that picture for me in the NFC. Now, the Ravens, they go to Cleveland. And Cleveland is a team that I think that's hungry for another win. They want to keep their name, their name in that hat in that AFC playoff picture. So another outstanding matchup, Baltimore, Cleveland. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun one. But I still, I mentioned it. Cleveland, I'm sorry, Pittsburgh can make a playoff push over the final five weeks by doing this. Protecting the football. Ben Roethlisberger looks kind of, we heard the hints that this will be his final year. If he plays the kind of football I expect him to, running the ball well, but having Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt in the lineup, they can make a nice little playoff push, finish over 500, and make the playoffs. Now, I don't think this is a deep playoff team, but I think it steps in the right direction for a team that's just looking for some consistency on the offensive side and just keeping their defensive stalwarts out there on the field uh, on defense. That's what gives me the confidence that this team can go out and be a playoff contender. Now, Big Ben's final season, does that also bring in some emotions for guys that want to play for Ben and give, obviously they give their all, but is that the extra added motivation? Hey, we could see. I could. It could be something that, you know, uh, the team kind of uses as a rally cry for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But again, I think this is a playoff team. I think that they'll find a way. But for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, I'm going to say Lamar should take a page out of Patrick Mahomes' book. Remember, there was that part in the season where the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs, had this little rough patch. Patrick Mahomes was turning the ball over way too much. Lamar should start to look at what Patrick Mahomes has been doing, taking what the defense gives him. Look, the Kansas City Chiefs won 22-9 last week. Patrick Mahomes didn't throw a touchdown pass because he's like, you know what? I'm, I can't keep putting my team in bad situations. I'm going to take what the defense gives me. And even if it's not a touchdown, it sets us up for a great opportunity. That's what I think Lamar Jackson needs to do. Stop trying to find the home run all the time. Sometimes take the double, take the single, take a walk. Eventually, the big plays will come back. But again, you can't put your team in bad situations. That's what I think for Lamar. So calm it down a little bit. And remember, their defense is going to be without two stalwart. That's a big loss, not having Marlon Humphrey to go along with, I mentioned, the, the loss of Marcus Peters. So what are they going to be able to do defensively now? It's going to be a lot on my guy, Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator. We may see a lot more zone 
than the attacking, you know, Ravens defense that we've seen in the past. You don't want to put those corners out there on an island, but we'll see, man. Will this become more of a zone team and they may have to rely on the pass rush up front or will they continue to still blitz or will it be a mix of the two? It'll be interesting, but man, I'll tell you, that is a difficult loss for that defense. it finally happened and boy i couldn't be happier i hate seeing teams who work hard every single week and they don't get to see the fruits of their own labor right well the detroit lions they got their first win last week man and i am <laughs> I, I really am i, I felt for them because i've been in their shoes before i've been on a 2 and 14 team i started the season off you know not winning your first two three four games and you're just like i just need to get a win i just want to get that feeling well, the Lions, they got that feeling. They got it. They're now 1-10-1 and one as they got their first win over the Minnesota Vikings, man. 29-27. Jared Goff finally got his first win without Sean McVay. <laughs> that was the bigger story for me. But the people of Detroit, man, I I'm happy for you, especially the way it went down. Jared Goff hit rookie Amon Ross St. Brown for an 11-yard touchdown that Amon Ra didn't realize that the game was over when he caught it. It was a true walk-off touchdown throw from Jared Goff, and St. Brown caught it in the end zone. Time was over. It was triple zeros on the clock, and Jared Goff and the Lions, and Dan Campbell got their first win. Jared Goff on the day was 25 of 41, 296 yards, three touchdowns, the one interception, but it was that 14 play game-winning drive with no timeouts left at the end of the game where he went 9 of 12. Basically, I think proved to people in Detroit that when things are good around him, if we're up front and solid, if we've got guys catching the football, we've got a clean pocket, he can do some things. And that is exactly what he did on that last drive. I'm in Ross St. Brown, who was an absolute stud, and I still don't know how he dropped that far in the draft, like what the fourth round. He had 10 catches for 86 yards, a touchdown, which was the first one of his career, man. I watched him at USC. His brother, we know, Equinemius St. Brown with the Packers. Look, this is a football family. This dude's a football junkie, and you saw that on full display last Sunday. The 15-game winless streak has now been snapped 364 days since the last time that they have won a football game. And I know it felt good. It was the first win also for head coach Dan Campbell in his first year as a rookie head coach. But I think more importantly, it's what he did after the game where Coach Campbell, he dedicated the game ball, the game ball of this game to the Oxford community, which had been devastated by the recent school shooting uh, in, in the area. So definitely heavy hearts. We saw it with the Michigan football team who played last Saturday in the conference championship against Iowa and in the Detroit Lions also paying their respects to the Oxford community. And they dedicated the game ball, man. That was cool, man. Again, that's that was awesome to have that be at your at your focus at a time where you just won your first football game. But to honor the people who just lost their lives in the community that was shaken, man, kudos again to Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. But on the other side, there has to be another side. The Vikings fell to five and seven. They're currently number nine in the NFC. 
the Vikings' first two possessions of the game resulted in field goals. And it's been the red zone that's it's really held the Vikings up. They had to settle for red zone field goals also in the second half, another red zone field goal. They're kicking themselves right now is that they did not go out and put the hammer down. They scored touchdowns. It's a totally different football game. But you give a ton of credit to the Detroit Lions defense because of what they did. Because when the Minnesota Vikings did get in the end zone, they missed three attempts at two-point conversions in the game. So can you believe that? So not only chasing points, also kept this game to as close as it was, the 29-27 victory. Injury news was that Adam Thielen left the game with an ankle injury on the opening drive. He didn't return. And for Adam Thielen not being out there, it's a different offense for the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins, 30 of 40, always going to have great numbers, right? Kirk Cousins, when you look at the stat sheet at the end of a game, it's always 30 of 40, 340 yards, two touchdowns. Justin Jefferson, 11 catches, 182 yards, one touchdown. And you're like, oh, they won. But obviously they didn't win. It's always tough to deal with when you look at the Minnesota Vikings, a frustrated team. I mentioned they beat the Packers a couple weeks back and they lose back-to-back games to the 49ers and now to the Detroit Lions. For the Lions, look, the Lions can build off this win. I wouldn't be surprised if they win two games in a row, man, because that feeling is contagious. You want to go out there and get it done. But on the other side, this was a bad loss for the Minnesota Vikings, one that I think crushes their playoff hopes. I don't think this is a playoff team anymore. And we mentioned they play against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday. Man, I think Pittsburgh gets them. And now they're looking at a three-game losing streak and making some decisions come the offseason. And when I mean decisions, the head coach. You know, this is a team that had a lot of promise. They don't make the playoffs this year. Could it be the last for Mike Zimmer? Uh, Possibly. Possibly. I mean, you're watching college football. It seems like everybody's leaving with the coaches. And now looks in the NFL. Could we see a similar carousel of coaches being fired this year? Mike Zimmer's been there for a long time. But this team just never seems to get over the hump. And I just don't know what it is. We'll figure it out. But, I mean, the Lions... They travel to Denver. They'll take on the Broncos. We know, again, Vikings take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Should be some good matchups. But, man, again, kudos to the Detroit Lions and finding a way to get it done. And Jared Goff on that last drive. Vintage Jared Goff. Same when we saw him as a Los Angeles Ram. Had some outstanding drives. Guy led him to the Super Bowl. And you saw some of that magic again on Sunday. Man, my players of the week, shout out to Tom Brady, dude. Offensive player of the week. He's my guy. 38 of 51, 368, four touchdowns, one interceptions. Like, come on. Tom Brady is the GOAT. And if the people who keep saying it, that he's not, he is. He leads the NFL in touchdown passes, leads the NFL in passing yards. Tom Brady continues to keep being Tom Brady. He is my offensive player of the week. Now, my defensive player of the week this week goes to T.J. Watt, man, who six tackles, three and a half sacks, three tackles for loss versus the Ravens. His return to the lineup after being on the COVID list, well, it's a difference. He's a difference maker. It's even to a point where I also saw some chatter. Oh, no, no, that was just from his brother, J.J. Watt, talking about he should be in the running for the MVP because if this team makes the playoffs, a lot of it because of a guy who's got 16 and a half sacks right now in the season. 
yeah, that's TJ Watt. Can't believe that he could be an MVP candidate. Well, we'll see. But an outstanding job this past week. He's my defensive player of the week. Man, again, another outstanding show, man. Shout out to our guest, Brian Mitchell, giving us some of that knowledge of the Washington football team. Oh, man, as always, you can find this podcast on Apple, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you go to that tab, click on the open tab, type in total coverage, rate, subscribe, man. Let a friend know. Let everybody know. At Kirk Morrison on Twitter, at Kirk Morrison on Instagram. Wow, I cannot wait. Week 13 done. We go to week 14. It's coming up so fast. Everything's starting to take clear, crystal picture of the NFL season as it starts to come to an end. Until next week, everybody, good football, y'all. Total Coverage is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Mike Kinahan. The associate producers are Chris Tyler and Denny Gallagher. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. And special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. SiriusXM Podcasts.